Hi everyone, this is Chase from Webbing the Surf, where we discuss all things digital nomad. Webbing the Surf is a metaphor for people who leverage technology to live and work however they'd like. Today, I'm super excited to have Mike LaRosa, one of our favorite uh, co-work guests that we've had here in Vallarta Cowork in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, who's back just for a couple of days. Yeah. Mike, is uh, his alias is Coworkaholic um, because he's that deep into the co-working scene. Can't get enough of it. <laughs> Welcome back, Mike. Thanks. I'm so pumped. We're messing with Anchor. Uh, this is the first podcast uh, that we're putting together on Anchor, so yeah, this hopefully... Is, well, I'm looking forward to uh, learning more about it. Yeah, hopefully we'll sort of figure it out as we go. <laughs> so, Coworkaholic, tell us a little bit um, about what it is, how you came up with the name, you know, what is it that you do? What is Coworkaholic? Yeah, people ask me that all the time. It's a description that covers a whole matter of sins, and so I work with co-working spaces, I work with real estate developers... Um, I work with conferences. Basically, I love advocating co-working and growing the industry. So whether it be opening spaces, consulting, or uh, kind of facilitating gatherings of the community, um, you name it, we do it. So you started as, uh, what got you into the world of digital nomading? Um, fell into it. I was working for myself and traveled a ton and realized that you know, you could deserve, you deserve better than a co like a coffee shop or a hotel hobby. And so when I saw the co-working space, I was like, holy shit, if I run my business, if I can do this, anyone can do this. And if, if I'm experiencing this, people are experiencing the same issue. Um, and co-working is going to be a major piece of how people change the, the concept of work. And, it, and it's proven in four years to really kind of Blow up. 100%. And I feel like that's true. Obviously, I'm a co part owner in a co-working space here, but the reason I got into it at all is when I travel, the first thing I need to know is where I'm going to work. Mm -hmm. So to me, co-working has not just become good internet, but it's like my hub. It's like my safety zone. Yeah. I always say if you have a co-working space anywhere in the world, you have a family. Like literally, you name it, people joke and they laugh. And I'm like, nope. I'm like, if you needed to go somewhere and see Sam Reap, I could literally get you into a space that has an accommodation that has like air conditioning and a nice bathroom in a heartbeat and you'd meet someone who you knew was uh, trustworthy and someone that you know would be able to be hospitable exactly. and welcome you in that's the whole idea behind it it's exactly how Airbnb has changed the way you travel you automatically know people on the inside you, mm -hmm. you're not a tourist anymore you're in the inside track right away yep. it's kind of fascinating it's very true and I think it's proven to be true for sure well yeah I mean we've geeked out plenty off the record or off recording talking about right. you know digital nomads they might be lonely or it might be you know that they're just by themselves that co-working space really provided that community that the coffee shop did in ways but without the stranger danger factor mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. go, being in a co-working space it's a little bit more of a uh, a comfortable position you're in I think mentally um, and physically how many co-working spaces do you think you've been in around the world? Hundreds. <laughs> Hundreds? Really? I know, I know over 500 because I track it all on um, Foursquare and Swarm. Uh-huh. So, yeah, hundreds. Wow. So, we've talked a lot about, and with your new business model, mm -hmm. w you know, how co-working is... Because what's interesting to me is, like I just said, the first thing I find is my co-work space. Yeah. And in the travel industry, whoever gets the first thing can control the rest of the things. Mm -hmm. So true. it's like if you're a you know a villa rental company, you want to get if you get the villa first, you can then pitch them on activities or this or that. So it's really interesting to see what how co-working is fitting into all of that, and mm -hmm. what I think is the natural progression of it, which is sort of housing on top. 
Well, yeah, if you think about it, you know, as more people work for themselves, they'll have a higher chance of working remotely or having to travel for that work. Um, and then they'll start realizing that, oh, maybe it can be more than just travel for work. It can be travel for life, right? And so um, I think that uh, this all falls under the best description possible, be space as a service. Mm -hmm. People are ultimately looking to rent space for a service. When you're paying $700 a night at the Ritz-Carlton, you're paying for luxury service. When you're paying you know, $50 an hour for a boardroom, you, uh, you're paying for a service. And so I think that's why hotels, co-working, accommodation, travel is really kind of all hitting together. Mike, so we did a video interview a while ago and we were talking about Coworkaholic and your new business model sort of stemming from this idea that major store chains, all that stuff, are just shutting down left and right. Mm -hmm. There are all these gigantic spaces that are just going vacant. And who's going to want to move into an old vacant Kmart? What are you going to do with all that space? So now we have this problem of landlords or you know, space owners around the world panicking, thinking, what are they now going to use their space for? And this is where you've sort of developed a new business model or a new sort of service, correct? Well, yeah, helping them monetize the space, right? So, you know, uh, a, a building is just a building. Um, it can have, People can live in it. People can work in it. People can work out in it, you know. So um, there's actually a fascinating uh, article Bloomberg just came out with this week about how malls are now courting gyms. For years, they didn't want anything to do with gyms. They didn't want gyms to be uh, in the property because they didn't really see a, a great enough potential for revenue, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if their leases were more tied to store sales. Um, but now, you know, especially in a, in the U.S., right, that traditional suburban retail mm -hmm. um, mall, that it's dead. Right. So they're they're desperate, and so it's how do you monetize it, you know? And you can get really creative. I mean, and it's really the past year or so since we first met and had that conversation, the projects that we've worked on um, have blown my mind, you know, uh, to see the 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 intricacies and kind of the. Um, all the shit that you have to work your way through, it's far easier said than done. I'm sure. You know, um, you know, I always sat here and said, oh, it's not hard. You work with a read. It's a multi-billion dollar portfolio. They manage these deals all the time. And we ended up working with a multi-billion dollar, you know, investment fund based in Dubai and just learning the, the ins and outs of developing that model, that, that uh, relationship, the different contracts who, I mean, there's a lot there's a lot to, to work out. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that as we do more and more of these, and as people are getting more creative, it's going to help the industry really adopt these spaces far quicker, right? Because all it is is about driving people to the space, right? How do you monetize it? How do you get people to come? Well, how do you market it? What do you yeah. market it as? Like, what do you call a space like this? Yeah, I mean, look at all these, like, new gentrified um you know, locations in cities that have not like these towns and these urban centers where there's a mix of retail and restaurants, but there's activity, you know, everyone's always trying to activate a plaza with, you know, a skating rink, um, you know, outdoor concerts, farmers markets. And so it's really about, you know, identifying that co-working spaces is no different than Starbucks, mm -hmm. have like a repeat pattern. Right, people come every day. So, and they also consume other things. And so, um, learning that will lead them to better placement of co-working spaces, but then also better partnerships. Because hmm. if a developer goes, "Oh, I really believe in the, the idea of co-working, and it really helps bring other people to my center," mm -hmm. they'll be far more open-minded to coming up with a, a, a more 
mutually beneficial arrangement rather than charging insane you know prices for leases yeah it's really interesting I mean us as a co-work we're super limited because of our our specific space it would be really cool I mean we know it would work if we could function in conjunction with like a smoothie maker or a pastry shop or this or that you yeah. know if we were a part but here we could you know we were lucky to find this space, but it's not conducive to any of that other stuff. What you're looking for, yeah. or what you see, what you know the potential could be. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, it, it's it's all about monetization and marketing of of that asset, right? And so I think it's the co-working world needs to grow up and start using the terms that this real estate industry has been using for hundreds of years <laughs> and understand how to better translate that and know that yes, you can have your cake and eat it. Two, you can work on a deal with a multinational developer, but also run a space that has like the heart and soul that you'd hope a, a, a local community would have, rather than more of a cookie cutter type, you know, international brand experience. Cool. Mike, we were talking about the myth of the digital nomad yes um which is super interesting let's just first clarify for people listening who may not be familiar with the term digital nomad is basically someone who can live or work wherever they want mm -hmm. they, they work online all they need is good internet yep um so they travel the world while they work to see the world uh, and just live the life that they want um it's super new uh well you know, for the most part, it's new. We've got this new generation of people that are realizing, why do I need to come into this office every day? I can do this from my house. Yep. And then I always say the natural progression is once you're in your house, the light bulb goes off. Well, why couldn't I be at the beach? Or Bingo. why couldn't I be in the Alps? Yep. Or, <laughs> or why am I here right now when it's beautiful 80 degrees when, you know, I'd right. rather be here than Chicago. <laughs> right. Know, I, I could go to the... Degrees today. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or even simple as I could go down to the park and fire up my hotspot and work from there, right? Mm -hmm. So um, it's led to this whole industry of people traveling the world, mostly younger people. Yep. Um, but we were talking earlier, like, is it a myth? Is it sustainable? You, should, you can't do it forever, right? Not if you want to have a wife or kids. Or can you? What I do you mean, think? Listen, I think that anyone can do anything they put their mind to, right? Sure. Um, Disney said, if you can dream it, you can build it. So there are families out there that, you know, they teach their kids at different schools all over the world. They travel together with other types of homeschooling programs. Um, you know, there's folks that have blogs about it. You know, there's people that I know, right, that have done it. Um, I guess it's, I, my question is for anything in life, what's your goal, mm -hmm. right? what do you define as success um i think it is lonely um my travel is not so much digital nomad esque or it's more work travel mm -hmm. so there are lonely times when you're on the road constantly it's hard to get to know people um but for some people that's all that's what they want you know some people function far better in that type of environment they can control everything they're a solopreneur they have like you know, a scalable small business that they're easy to manage and all the interaction they want through a community in a co-working space or in a digital nomad community. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that I've met, I've never met anyone that hasn't taken a break from it for sure. Let's be for real. Right. You know, even <laughs> folks, you know, and it, it's an adjustment. I think we don't, uh, we don't, I would say we don't talk about the adjustment process at all. You know, there. I mean, there are people that are like, holy cow, I've just spent three and a half years bebopping around Southeast Asia, and now I'm sitting in a cubicle in, you know, the suburbs of Chicago, because I took a job because I want to come back to the States, but like, that's a major 
shift, totally. right? Yeah. And so um, I, I think that it's not so much a myth as it just um, our culture. It just it's so naturally gratifying to uh, post pics. Sure, of it, course. Right? Yeah. Rather than talking about oh, there are times you know that you break down and like have an ugly cry, you know, while eating ice cream in the middle of Bali because like <laughs> the place just flooded. You don't really know anyone. You've got friends. We don't have friends. You know, it's not easy. It's right, and I think that sort of that sort of birthed these new remote year type of programs yeah. where people are, you know, digital nomading in groups or yeah. hordes. Well, it's safe or it's curated. Let's be for real. Everyone wants a curated experience, and you're willing to pay for that, right? It's mm -hmm. like okay, it's only so much more money, and I don't have to worry about it. Right? The, yeah, you, you, if you don't want to deal with the logistics of planning and finding the yeah. places and da 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 da, you can just hop in a group thing. For sure. So I think that I mean I think as more of these groups develop there'll be more people that are willing to give it a shot but i think for the most part anyone that's looking to kind of i i, don't, I just don't see it being a long-term thing right right but what i think is cool about it is that's not the point right you do it to see the world and then when you're ready to settle down you have a much bigger picture of where you want to make that happen yeah i mean i think it's a phenomenal gap here Right, it could be a phenomenal replacement of a gap year, right? Instead mm -hmm. of sending out, you know, newly graduated high school seniors uh, for a year of just debauchery, um, maybe it's you know they can work, you know, or whatever. It just it's that it's that evolution of experiencing, right, and getting a chance to see more, um, and, and kind of learn more about yourself through learning more about the world. Perfect. All right, you're the co-workaholic. You are the expert. Uh, let's do a little industry research here. Yeah. Tell me about the, you know, co-working spaces around the world. Yeah. Some of them, it, you know, I've only been to, I don't know, a few dozen. You've yeah. been to hundreds. There's some of them more. surely stand out to me. Yeah, some of them are out of, out of control, right? Um, I always talk about Bespoke in okay. San Francisco. It's at the Westfield Shopping Center. Okay. Um, talking about retail earlier. It's um, perfect. It's awesome. It's an ex-big retail space? Yeah, it's on the top floor of this beautiful mall. It's like a flagship mall for San Francisco for Westfield. Um, 15,000 square feet of co-working. They got a 10,000 square foot event space. Um, it is not open to the public, so you do have to kind of book a tour. Mm -hmm. um, they do try to limit themselves to companies in retail technology because it is part of the overall Westfield strategy with that space but that said they do beautiful events you gotta check it out um, really fun mall too to get some co-working done if you need Wi-Fi and comfortable places to work nice um, I'm a little in part or a little partial um, but we just opened Nest Dubai at the new trip by Wyndham hotel in Dubai um, it's a 650 room hotel with a uh, I mean beautiful amenities it's four-star gym spa pool some fabulous dining, but it's got a 3,000 square foot co-working space. And so co-working is now bundled as an amenity for an upsell for guests. They're also doing Smart. phenomenal corporate packages where locally headquartered or based, you know, offices for U.S. tech companies in Internet City can go to Barsha Heights. Trip by Wyndham is a total millennial lifestyle brand. So, um, and even if you're a local, you can use the co-working space and get the amenities of the pool and the gym. Right. Is it just totally decked out? I feel like everything it in is, Dubai is like... It is. It's the best coffee machine I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. And I was really skeptical. I mean, it like foams the milk. It heats the milk. It grinds the beans. It does all these different types of, you know, uh, pressure for pulling a espresso. Um, so that's great. Um, where else? I would say Collective Works is a beautiful uh, space in Singapore. Um, probably one of the most beautifully designed 
spaces. They've got more living walls than I know to do with. <laughs> nice, um, that's cool. The founder is also one of the main lead designers on the, the property, so it's got a really kind of like, it's almost like, got the fun of WeWork, but more grown up, you know, kind of like on that Soho House level, mm-hmm. everything's quite posh. Cool. Um, I'm trying to think some others. What about features, stand-up features, the coolest, like, you know, stuff um, you've seen in co-work spaces? So, I mean, there are some spaces that are actually more maker spaces, and so there's a great space I'm pulling, I can't figure out what the name, I forget what the name is, in Philadelphia. They had everything. They had all the printers, the laser cutters. Ooh, I would say um, Artisan's Asylum in Boston. That's actually in Cambridge, right across the river. But 70,000 square feet, this massive warehouse, and they basically... There is some co-working space, but majority it's all makers. And so you've got people that are developing a 3D printer for a U.S. Navy contract right next to a booth where people do bikes for the playa for Burning Man, right next to people that do visual arts for you know costume design for the Boston Opera, right? You've got nice. just this cultivation of like science, art, you know, very Burning man Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So I would say that, I mean, they had amazing amenities, right? I mean, for making stuff. Do you see that as a trend? I feel like we're pushing our little envelope down here by creating sort of a webinar booth with lighting and, you know, oh, put a nice mic in there. Yeah, yeah. Are you seeing that in more and more spaces where it's like you can just step right in and, and produce something? Yeah, well, I mean, to coin the phrase or hark back to the phrase I used in the, when the last snippet, space as a service, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the space in Dubai Nest has a podcasting facility kind of like what you have right so it's it's a space that has been soundproofed mm-hmm. there's adequate lighting um they have some audio equipment if you need to borrow to use exactly, you know, yeah. on like an av cart mm-hmm. and like and you've got special lighting here um space as a service what are people looking to do and so more and more people that are working remotely yeah. depend on webinars yeah totally you know? so it's all about what they're looking for you know some recording space um, nap rooms, but phone booths are also big too, right? Nap rooms. You know. Phone booths are the most basic, but the most essential. <laughs> I know, people love them, and people need them. You know, you don't want to be hearing one second. But yet I've been to so many spaces where they don't have a call booth. They don't have a phone booth. I know. It's like, that's like the bare minimum to me. Rookie, that's booth. a rookie mistake. That is everyone, needs a, everyone needs a phone booth. Everyone needs a phone booth. <laughs> At least one phone booth. Nope. All right, Mike, before I let you get out of here, tell us um, how people get in, can get involved. I mean, you're constantly going from one event to another. What is coming up? Um, what isn't coming up, right. I should say. <laughs> so never in my mind, my wildest dreams, would I ever think earlier this year, there were three different co-working conferences. We're talking over 100 people each taking place at the same time Wow! in completely opposite ends of the world, Europe, uh, China, Singapore, and then there was one um, taking place in New York. Mm-hmm. It was nuts, right? Um, so there's conferences everywhere. I would say uh, coworking.com is a great resource. You know, it's run by Open Cowork, mm-hmm. um, Open Coworking, which is kind of like the nonprofit kind of um, leaders of the industry. They're really trying to like put out great resources. Google, the Coworking Google Group, the Coworking Wiki, all those links are there. Mm-hmm. There are calendars on DeskMag as well. They'll do a post like. Um, CU Asia is awesome. I was going to say, what are the standouts? What are you looking most looking forward to in 218? Yeah, so, I mean, CU Asia is phenomenal. I've been every single year. I would never miss it. This year's it's in Penang, Malaysia. They'll have upwards of 500 people. Um, uh, the Juicy conferences are always great. Um, they're all over the place now. So there's Australia, U.S., Canada. What is Juicy? Um, it stands for the Global Coworking Unconference Conference. 
Um, there's the Global Workspace Association. They just had theirs, but they do theirs every September. It's somewhere in the U.S. Okay. Um, you've got Coworking Europe, which is kind of like the OG, right? That was the first real conference established. Um, that just had its seventh, I think seventh ever, eighth maybe. They're coming up on almost ten years now, but that's wow. every November in Europe. But if you just go to Coworking.com, you'll see Desmag, Coworkaholic. Juicy GWA. There's all wonderful links and resources on on those two sites awesome. that can kind of tell you where to go. I mean, there, there's events now. There's a German co-working federation. There's a Polish co-working alliance. There's the co-working alliance of Asia Pacific. All these other groups. They're all doing their own meetings as well. So I would just say, like, if you wanted to start, just Google co-working and then the name of either the city, right. state, or country that you're in, and you'll see somewhere at the top. Get involved in your local scene yeah, first. Yeah, there's co-working Indonesia. There's co-working, you know, Kansas City co-working alliance. I mean, it's, it's if you're going to do all one of the big international ones. Oh, you got to do either CU Asia or co-working Europe. Okay. Right. So co-working Europe's legit, but it just happened. Mm -hmm. You guys just missed out. Sorry. <laughs> CU Asia is the next one. That would be uh, February of 2018 in Penang, Malaysia. CUAsia.co. And what's the big, we were talking about Digital Nomad uh, mm -hmm. events, and there's a big one that you're going to go to for the first um, time? Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting my ticket. Johnny FD does that big uh, Digital Nomad uh, conference at the Le Meridian in Chiang Mai. Okay. Um, and then there's a couple other ones out there. One's that's just, like they call it the DNX Summit, I want to say. Um, they've <laughs> been in Germany, but they've also been in... Um, Asia, so they bounce around. Okay. Um, but yeah, not too familiar with Digital Nomad between those two. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome, Mike. So glad to have you back. Yeah, it's Hopefully awesome being in Puerto Yeah, man. I want to be here down here as much as possible. But wait, you have ties, right? Isn't your mom or someone? We have, uh, my family's got a place here. So it's always an easy uh, hop, skip, and a jump, especially now direct flights from Chicago daily. So there's no, there's Ooh, no. what airline? Right. United. Oh, nice. Yeah. So they've got some great deals. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's not bad. Awesome. Well, thanks for helping me uh, break in the, the yeah, this podcast. Is really awesome. I'm looking forward to uh, trying it out on my own, too. Awesome. Sweet. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Don't forget, work the web, enjoy the surf, whatever your surf may be.